My deep appreciation of theater history was instilled in me by Tom Empey, a college mentor to me and hundreds of others. While teaching Greek theater terms, he would grab the fabric of his slacks and say, You see these pants? Euripides, Eumenides making light of content that could be considered rather dry and stuffy while still maintaining respect for the art, which is what I want to do with this podcast. For each episode, I invite a guest from the many paths my theater career has taken me down. I give my guests no idea what we'll be talking about, but they know we're going to find an outrageous story about theater history and perhaps get a better understanding about why we're still doing it after all these years. So welcome to Euripides Humanities, and I am your host, Aaron Odom. Hey there, friends and listeners. This is Aaron Odom coming to you from Trident Theater in Sheridan, Wyoming. This is the second part of the Rocky Horror Picture Show 2021 Remembrance, I guess, in memoriam. You know, this is on the Oscars where they start, like, playing the sad music and reminding you of everybody that died. No, that's not really what's going on here. We had a wonderful time. But that show, that one performance was so incredible, so electric, so transformative for everybody involved. Now, if you listen to our last episode, uh, I was able to sit down with several of the cast members and talk about it, but there were several more people who weren't able to attend that day, and I was able to track them all down, and I got them down for one-on-one interviews about their experiences with the show. Some are funny, some are sad, some are both, some are all uh, all of everything all at once, but I tell you what, this show changed a lot of things for a lot of people and i you know i hate to sound like i'm tooting my own horn here but it did so i'm gonna go ahead and let the interview speak for themselves but please enjoy this and i'll see you at the end okay so here i am talking with our eddie from the 2021 Rocky Horror Picture Show. Yeah. This is Patrick Cossel, who on uh, episode 25 dived into, gosh, what did we talk about? The spider. <laughs> that, the the bottled spider. Yes. Oh my gosh. Yes. That was such a cool episode. That was. Yeah. yeah. Um, but uh, Patrick, since you weren't able to join us with the rest of the group um, mm-hmm. on the day we were able to get together, here we are having this one-on-one session. So I'm going to ask you kind of the same questions that we asked them. And sure. mainly, what was the big thing that you, that pushed you into it? I mean, I emailed everybody. A whole bunch of people said, I'm in, I'm, I'm interested. But but what was, what was it that you were looking to get out of this one? Okay. Uh, it's kind of a loaded question, but before I get to that, let me just back up real quick and just say, mm. if if your listeners haven't listened to the previous episode where you were talking with the other members of the cast, they absolutely need to go back and do that. Oh yeah, because absolutely. That show, um, I mean, I was at work and I'm like, I, I should not be yeah, I I need to like. Where's the tissue? Um, <laughs> some of the stuff that 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 my castmates said during that, and you know, again, congratulations to Cameron on on getting into the school, and you know, I, I have to say congratulations to every one of them because every one of them 
like listening to Bailey and Allison and Morgan and just the things that they said. I was mm-hmm. like, wow, that show yeah. hit them in such a way. And, yeah. and it's interesting because when I think about, and this is, I'm going to segue into your answer here. When I think about why I did Rocky Horror, because you and I, we were supposed to do it last year. Right, um, right. And of course we got shut down because of COVID. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was really excited about doing it because I've always wanted to do Rocky Horror. Rocky Horror has been one of those shows that, has always been fascinating to me. I've loved the film. I've loved the film since I was in high school. Mm-hmm. Because so, for your listeners, um, I I am forty seven years old. So that means <laughs> this film came out the year I was born in nineteen seventy five, and I huh. always wanted to be a part of it, but was mm-hmm. terrified. Aaron, I was absolutely okay. terrified because I was afraid of what people would think of me. As anyone would be. I mean, you know, we talked about that on the last episode. Just I'm getting up here and I'm showing myself. Yeah. But not only showing myself, showing myself in a sexy version of myself. Yeah. I mean, just that concept alone for the lay person is terrifying. Oh, yeah, (laughs) absolutely. Especially with everything that goes on going on with people in the world today and people really discovering their sexuality and their Mm -hmm. gender and, and how they fit in this world. I wanted to do Rocky horror because I wanted to be around people who weren't me. Mm. I mean, that was a, that was a huge thing for everybody to just get into that room and go, this is what I am. Everybody sees me for what I am and they acknowledge me for what I am. And they're not questioning me about what I am. Yep. There was, there was one night and I don't know if you remember that Kale said something about needing a hug. And mm-hmm. I think Cameron ran over to him and gave him a hug. And, you know, I, this is, Kale and I rarely spoke throughout the whole show. I mean, just occasional right. words here and there. Um, mm-hmm. And, and I thought, you know, I hate, cause I, I hate anybody. I hate hearing about anybody struggling with mental health. Cause I struggle with it all the time. Right. So I went over to Kale and I, and I put my arm around him and I said, Hey, I just want you to know uh, that I'm really sorry that you're dealing with whatever you're dealing with, but you should know that everybody in this room thinks you're one badass motherfucker. That's right. <laughs> and he just looked at me and smiled and he's like, thank you. Mm-hmm. And that was it. I, I mean, there and that was to say anything else. Yeah. And that was it. And that was it. And we did a lot of those check-ins with everybody. Cause I mean, well, this is, this is actually going to segue into something that you and I talked about because uh, right now, Patrick, you and I are in a show first date and we're in yeah. rehearsals for it right now. We actually, we, uh, we were done with rehearsal and you and I just had a couple things to say in the parking lot, you know, oh, let's talk about this. Let's talk about that. You, ended you up like an being, hour and a half later. Yeah. Yeah. We ended up having like a 45 minute conversation of both going, oh man, I haven't eaten today. Let's yeah. go home. But one of the things that came up and this was talked about a lot in the, in the first episode of the group was we focused a lot on stage intimacy training and, yeah. and making and making sure that everybody was comfortable with things going on with bodies. Because Rocky Horror, it's a very sexualized show yes, and, it and it's a very sexually empowering show. But, you know, everybody who was involved was ready to explore themselves and not everybody mm-hmm. is ready to do that when they are given a part. So going back to the idea of gender assignment and expectations of certain parts, we got into a conversation because right now we're in community theater. Okay. Yeah. Now there are some of us who may have had some training in this and professional experience, but for the most part, everybody's just there going, you know, I like theater. I like to be in theater and I want to perform. Yep. However, <clears throat> there's some baggage attached to that sometimes. 
<laughs> yeah. Because I mean, theater is about the most significant moments of these characters' lives. And yeah. some of those moments can be very intimate with another person. So, you know, yes. we had talked about this and I've been thinking about it ever since um, we we said it. So get, would you mind sharing with me the, the conversation you had with your wife about this? Oh, oh, that conversation. Yeah. So my first performance back into community theater or into theater period was in the YO Gala a couple of years ago, talking with my wife and saying, you know, this is something I would like to continue to do. I thoroughly enjoy it. And I think I'm decent at it. And I seem to be getting better and better parts. So mm-hmm. I'd like to be able to continue to do it. And then the idea of me playing a romantic lead came up. And so I asked her, how would you feel about this? Because I do think when you're in theater, especially if you're married or have a significant other or have, mm-hmm. as you like to put it, someone who walks beside you, oh. <laughs> you need to take a moment and consider how they are going to feel. Right. And so right. I said to her, how would you feel if I played a part that I was required to kiss somebody? And with that, that, yeah. <laughs> right. That, uh, that had mm-hmm. some strong responses and she was like, no, I wouldn't like that. And, and I probably would not come and see it. Right. Right. And I did mention, or she did mention to me that there are other ways to kiss on stage without mm-hmm. people seeing it. And so I've, I've, I haven't struggled with Sheree's answer to that at all because mm-hmm. I mean, that's her right to, to feel that, that way. That is her right to say that. And, and, and I've been thinking of that and I believe that that is a perfectly okay thing to do and feel and going into a show. Mm-hmm. That's great. You know, we talked about that a little bit on the episode with the group, the script says this needs to be done. And if you're not doing that, then you're not paying homage to the script. I had this actually come up a couple of years ago uh, when I did the glass menagerie and Mm -hmm. my Laura and my Jim, you know, he has to kiss her. And she came to me in private session and says, I I don't feel entirely comfortable with that. And I went, okay. And we sat down and talked about it. And I know Tennessee Williams would be just fine with this because what he often had to say about unrequited love and things like that, we came up with the idea of he can get really close and then realize what he's doing is wrong. Okay. <laughs> because he's engaged to another woman. Yeah. But he's, he's feeling this really strong feeling with Laura and, and very comfortable with her. And if he acts on it right now, he's going to wreck a lot of things. I, I think of this when I was thinking of plays to do a long time ago. Um, I love, 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 love the movie, the seven year itch. You know, the one okay. where Marilyn Monroe has her skirt fly up and everything, right? right. right? Um, it's a very sweet story about a man who, uh, you know, this is like 1940s, 1950s, when men would stay in the city for the summer and work like crazy, and the family would go off in vacation somewhere. And right. he might go, he might come up on the weekends and visit them. Well, he kind of starts a thing or, or like gets really obsessive in a way about his upstairs neighbor who's played by Marilyn Monroe in the movie. She is wonderfully flirtatious or not really flirtatious, but just like sensuous to the point where you're like, God, I'm, I can't be around you without thinking about you romantically. But at the end of the, at the end of the movie, he goes, Nope, this is not the way to go. I'm going to go see my family. And he packs his bags and he goes off. That's not the way it happens in the play. 
<laughs> in the play, they have a night together. And he wakes up the next morning and goes, that wasn't right. And packs his bags and goes off and sees his family. But he did the deed. <laughs> so gotcha, gotcha. so I, I think of it this way. Like when I was, uh, when I was uh, working professionally, uh, it was at a time before a lot of this had, had come to light. And you just get on stage and be expected to do whatever it was sure. on the script. Um, I was married at the time and uh, uh, my ex and I are still amenable. So she wouldn't mind me saying this stuff, but she would take her friends to come see me in shows where I would be intimate with people on stage. And they were like, are you okay with that? And she was like, frankly, this is his job. And honestly, that's how it was treated in the professional world. You know, there wasn't that thought. It's like, this is the script. You are here to perform the script. You're right. supposed to do this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And part of our conversation the other night, we talked about intimacy training. Uh-huh. And and I told you then that I think you wrecked me. <laughs> <laughs> so I have to go back to listening to the episode with everybody else on it. And, uh-huh. you know, Bailey made the comment that that first night, it was her and I working together and how we were both like, I mean, you talk about two, uh, I'm trying to think of the right term here. <laughs> I mean, because it was like we were just completely clumsy, fumbling our way through trying to be okay with each other touching each other. Right. You know, even though we were touching each other in a safe place and, and you know, we were both like, okay, don't touch here, don't touch here. You know, it's it's one of those things. It's like, I so I'm a big person. Obviously, um, I have issues with people touching me sometimes. And, and, right. you, okay. and I, can, I can say, you know, without a doubt that I don't let, if typically I don't let women touch me period, unless you're my wife. Right. Some right. of that is, you know, out of respect to my wife. And some of that is just out of my own insecurities. Mm-hmm. So in this case, like, I don't know that anybody's ever really touched my head before besides my wife. And, and I had to <laughs> do that. And, and right. not that she, and she was fine. She was completely fine. And, and she was super respectful. And I hope, I hope she feels the same towards me. Mm-hmm. So translate that to, or, or transition that to first date. And there's a scene in the show where I have this hand puppet. Oh my God. It talks yes. about breastfeeding on the female lead. Yeah. Like, ta- like, I think it even says like clamps onto her nipple or something like that. It does. The stage directions say that it like yeah. full on, like without the word groping her. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And so I, I immediately slipped into intimacy training. Yep. And it's like, obviously there's a scene here. We have to figure out a way to portray this scene that's going to be comfortable for you and comfortable for me because I'm not necessarily comfortable grabbing your boob. Right. And I'm sure <laughs> you definitely don't want me to do that. Um, or, or maybe you do, and that's a whole different conversation. And then that's have, our conversation, you know? yep. Um, but at this point, we need to figure out how we can do this that's comfortable for both of us. And, and even the, the male lead, because my puppet now, or the, the yeah, the puppet I'm, I'm holding is bouncing all over him and stuff. And I, and I would say to him, are you okay? Are you good with this? Yep. And he was fine. He was perfectly fine. And Jules oh, yeah. and I were able to work out a scenario. And actually, I think what we're going to do is she's just going to rip the puppet out of my hand and then put it to her boob herself. <laughs> Which is going to be hilarious. Oh, that's great. That's so funny. <laughs> Which I, I ordered the puppet, by the way. It's on the way. Yes! <laughs> I loved it. I um, love it. But I think those kind of considerations, mm-hmm. you know, intimacy training in theater is, is, is fantastic. And, and yeah. I really cannot tell you how much I appreciated you doing that. And even listening to, or watching the videos that you sent regarding mm-hmm. intimacy training. Yeah. But if people started applying that in their day-to-day life. Oh, and just being more respectful to each other, 
And I think if people were to go through a level of intimacy training, even in their day-to-day lives for work or whatever, maybe it would change how people act. Yeah. I mean, I know that I have worked locally with people who will disregard that idea completely when applied to the stage. Like when it's for the stage, uh, we're here under the guise of Dionysus. Let it all hang out and and let the wine flow freely. But it's like, no, we're still people when we leave the stage door. Yeah. And things linger, you know? They do. So, I mean, I don't want to turn this whole episode into like (laughs) a promotion of stage intimacy. But I tell you what, folks, this is the future. This is the future of the business. There's a ton of scripts out there still that we want to do that will require some of this. And if we're not careful with stuff like this, frankly, you have outside relationships that could be undone that don't need to be undone. Yeah, exactly. I totally agree. and, And I mean, the theater is one of the most important things in my life, but at the same time I go, it's just a fucking play. It doesn't yeah. need to ruin lives. You know, there's a, there's a difference between professional actors being able to apply training versus amateur actors doing a script that requires them to do incredibly intimate things. Yeah. And just, yeah, I, I think, I, I'm sorry, this is what we need to do now. I, I agree. And I think, you know, it, it, it really does go back to respect, right? Yep. You know, having respect for each other. So listening to the, the show with everybody else um, and hearing that Morgan and Cameron reached out to each other and said, hey, can we can we meet and go over some of this? Yep. I tell you what, it's interesting because I didn't know they did that, right? But uh-huh. yeah, when I saw them during rehearsal and I saw them on stage, boy, I thought, man, these two clicked hard. Yeah. This is great because they had such yeah. chemistry together, right? Mm-hmm. And, and it's because they put in the extra work, right? They they right. did all that stuff. And and I just I I watched how they were and and I think it's interesting how you know everybody kind of rose up, so to speak. Yeah. Like yeah. everybody elevated everybody else. And and I think it helped like having everything being done with 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 the way Cameron and Morgan Riffraff and Magenta or yeah, Magenta were acting before Frank ever came out, the way Columbia was acting before Frank ever came out. And then the reveal. Mm-hmm. And just that, you know, I think when Tasina went out there, she's like, you know what? She's watching everybody. She's like, fuck yeah. Here we go. Okay. This is how we're gonna be. I got this shit. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and I know like, cause I mean, my, my time on stage with Rocky Horror was super small. I did right. the time warp and then I did, you know, of course, uh, Hop- and, that's, yeah. Yeah. and that's pretty much it. Right. Yep. And even that, I, I don't know, eight minutes, if you want to call it, even then mm-hmm. I was, it was okay. This is eight minutes of full throttle. Let's go for it. Yeah. I wanted, originally I wanted to do Rocky Horror because it was going to be fun. I mean, that yep. was all, that's all I saw was, oh man, this is going to be so much fun to do. I love Rocky Horror. It's going to be so great. Coming out of it, having missed the first one, having mm-hmm. a year of self-reflection, because let's face it, we're all stuck in our houses for a year. <laughs> um, and then having a chance to come back to the theater and then realizing the cast that you had put together, it was such a change. And I'm like, I want to do Rocky Horror. Huh. I want to be a better person. Nice. Awesome. And being, being around them them meaning the rest of the cast Mm -hmm. that's what did it yep and you facilitated that oh 
Well, I just tried to point in the direction. Apparently, everybody got there. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, you had some amazingly beautiful, talented, sexy people who were on that stage, and 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 like they talked about how we would build each other up backstage, and we did. I mean, there was absolutely mm-hmm. even even I was like, "Hey, you did fantastic, good job." Like, way to knock them dead. You were so sexy. You just killed it. You know, mm-hmm. things like that. Everybody was saying that, and and it was it was amazing. And right. I think if if you ever question yourself. <laughs> If you ever need to know that it's okay to be different, do mm-hmm. Rocky Horror. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay, my friends and listeners, here I am with David Britton, who uh, was our guest on our episode, our full length episode on David Merrick. And I don't know that he's still fully recovered from that. Uh, <laughs> but um, David uh, has a very interesting perspective on this. I mean, if you've gone back and listened to the first episode at this point, you know that most of those folks have either been in a production before or have been thinking about it. And maybe this is their first one. David has done this in Sheridan many times before. In fact, he's done just about every male role except for, as we were just saying, uh, just Frank and Brad, I think, are the ones you haven't done. Yeah, I, I don't know if I did Riff. I might have done Riff. I just can't remember. Fair enough. Fair enough. Okay. So this year, you had two roles, actually. This year, you are our criminologist, uh, yep. who also led the time warp, which was super fun. Yeah. But you also got to play Dr. Scott. And the only time we had Dr. Scott come on stage was at the end, when we have <laughs> the amazing, fantastic reveal of the his legs under the blanket because yeah. he's, he's in a wheelchair and the legs coming out with the great fishnet stockings and pumps. <laughs> so fantastic. Now I will say uh, one thing that you shared with us that was really cool about why you keep coming back to do this is uh, about your dad. Do you mind me asking about that? Like year to year, how your dad has react to that? Yeah, you know, um, my dad is one of those. He's very, he, he's, he's, he's a man's man. You know, he's just very <laughs> in his ways, and um, you know, he that stuff that happens in that show, Rocky Horror, the LGBTQ, and all that stuff. He's not the biggest fan of it, but he he tolerates it. Okay. Um, and um, you know, the first time I did it, <laughs> he he didn't even know the show existed. I don't think. Um, Whoa. Okay. <laughs> so, um, yeah, my mom, on the other hand, I told the first, of course, I was part of the very first one. I told my mom and she's like, sweetie, do you know what that show entails? I was like, no. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. And now I do, but um, you know, his, yeah, you do. Yeah. His reaction is, it's always like, Oh, I'm proud of you. I'm so proud of you. Um, but this this year he saw it and it was like he actually enjoyed it. He he loved the show. So yeah, <laughs> you know, which, is, yeah. which is amazing. Coming from like him. it's like it spoke to him. And and as I recall, like he's he has some mobility issues and um and so you know getting up and dancing for him wasn't really an option, but he was feeling he, he felt the spirit of it. Yeah, yeah. 100%. Nice. nice. Awesome. And so now he's, he's like, Hey, you do it again next year, uh, you know, front row. Yeah, <laughs> That's great. That's great. So 
beyond that, though, David, um, you know, we talked a lot about why we as individuals sat down to do this show and for you, why we you did it again. So if you have any thoughts that you'd like to tell us, like like we did in one of those first initial meetings, mm-hmm. that would be great to tell now. <laughs> I trying to remember what I said. Um, I, I, I always like want to do the show because A, it's acting and I feel like any show looks great on a resume, but B, also it's just like, that show at that time, and especially now, like it just attacks so much stuff that needs to be attacked and addressed, quite frankly. Okay. You know, LGBTQ plus and the trans community and all that stuff. And it, mm-hmm. and I I feel like I mean, first of all, it's like fun to do, but it's right. it's also just like I feel like I'm letting share like I'm being part of Sharon's change to like the LGBTQ plus community or. Oh wow! You know, you know, I I I have like in high school and stuff. I was always part of the rancher and farmer people who like wasn't necessarily part of those group. <laughs> right. And then like my senior year, I did acting with you, and like I finally mm-hmm. was like part of that group. And I've never had an issue with it. Like you know, you I'm always the you do you boo type person. Mm-hmm. So. <laughs> right. Right. Um, now. One thing that I did, you know, you and I actually could connect on this in several different levels. Like we've had successful productions of this where we've had a pretty decent sized audience and a very interactive audience. Mm -hmm. This one blew my mind. Like just, you know, as we said in the first episode, um, you know, I think it was Cameron who brought it up that. As it, as it is on film and generally when it's staged, Frankenfurter is your star, right? Mm-hmm. Whoever the actor is, that's your star. That's a central focus point. In this production, he felt that nobody was less than, you know? There was nobody, like everybody was on the same, same wavelength and everybody got catcalls. Everybody. Mm-hmm. And I bring up that, uh, you know, Dr. Scott leg reveal to you. And I remember you had a pretty, pretty significant reaction to that. So uh, tell me about that. Yeah. You know, like you said, I've been part of like houses where there's like five people there. And I've been part of mm-hmm. you know, this. This was our biggest house that we had. And uh, I done the Dr. Scott twice. And um, that, you know, this show, like it was just loud in there, man. It was crazy. <laughs> with like how loud everyone got and just it, it made me feel like totally like pumped in a way because of yeah. how loud it was <laughs> but um yeah it was great. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and just that that reveal like i mean it that's dang near the end of the show mm-hmm. and i mean everybody has already been through it already but i think you were the last one to get like that moment of sexy on stage from my perspective, I mean, I was right up there in front row. Uh, the nobody got exhausted <laughs> of appreciating the sexiness coming off of the stage. <laughs> yeah, that I mean, from start to finish, that show had cheers, woos, catcalls, you name it. I mean, it was just crazy. And then that final, you know, with me and Dr. Scott just revealing my, you know, scantily clad leg <laughs> just makes the whole place erupt. I'm, I'm down for it. It was cool. Right on, right on. Well, um, 
Closing thoughts here. Did you have any like major discoveries about yourself? Uh, I mean, I discovered that I could walk on one heel. <laughs> 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 like, I sat in the wheelchair and I had, to, I had to go get my blanket that was on the prop table. I was like, oh man. And I just walked on one on one heel but no um you know, it's, it, I, I didn't really necessarily discover much about my stuff about myself that you know i didn't already know you know mm-hmm. um but i i do feel like every year i do it i do discover a little bit more of myself i just don't know what i discovered this year mm. well i'll take it back to your original thought of I, I kind of want to be somebody who is a supporter and ally of uh, LGBTQI plus community. But do you feel that we might have accomplished that this year? Yeah, you, you know, I, I truly think we did. You, you know, but we sold how many tickets? Like 300 some? 285 out of 300. Yeah, that's that's crazy, man. And like, there has to be like that one you know boyfriend or maybe a girlfriend that was dragged along to the show that didn't want to go but after <laughs> seeing it for a while you know they're probably like huh interesting you know right. um, i should have brought the toilet paper to throw <laughs> <laughs> I, I i definitely think we uh we at least helped you know right and and i mean this is one of those great things that happened during the pandemic when everything was shut down and everybody's able to look at everything under a microscope a little bit more closely. We're going, hey, we've been talking about this underrepresented voice not being heard enough. Now we're getting an opportunity to actually put it into motion and say, okay, we can rewrite things or we can, I hate to use the term cancel things, but there are some things it's like, it's not okay to do this show because of this scene. Maybe we need to rewrite the show and remove that scene. We could do that. But I mean, we're actually getting a point now where we're going, hey, this is where the LGBTQIA plus voice is now. Mm-hmm. And we don't necessarily have to put it on display. We just say it's part of it now. It's mm-hmm. part of the whole, the whole zeitgeist. It's part of it. And you can't ignore it. It's an element. Yeah, you know, they're they're a bunch of great people. Like I said, they're amazing. So, absolutely, I encourage absolutely. anyone to just like support LGBTQ plus and just you know be there for them if they need a year or something. Awesome, awesome. This is Liberty Madison. Hello, Liberty. Hi, how are you? Not too bad, not too bad. Uh, so Liberty played our Janet this year and just did a phenomenal job. But as we were talking right before I started this interview, I had I had not remembered, like, this was your first time doing this show. And frankly, like any show, period. <laughs> right? Yes. yes, I had wow. dressed up and... Um, before I have always been Janet. So when I saw the cast list come up and I was Janet Weiss, I was just thrilled. <laughs> well, and you know, when I first contacted you about this and you were so excited this time, you came and yeah. showed me the pictures of yes. like your first time you did it. And it was at uh, like in West Hollywood or something, right? Uh, we were in Santa Ana. Oh, okay. All right. So I was way off. But anyway, so in your pictures, you showed me this Janet that is Janet at two separate stages in the movie. 
<laughs> Tell yeah, me about that. I do think that it was kind of a nod to the development of her character because she starts out in that adorable little purple uh, dress suit and she's mm -hmm. got this hat on and she's just so sweet coming out of the church and such a very innocent character. She's so excited <laughs> to get engaged. And um, so half of my costume was this perfect match to church Janet coming out and getting engaged. And then I sewed together with my mediocre and very amateur sewing skills. I, oh, you couldn't tell. You couldn't tell. <laughs> I pieced it together well. I, 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 it turned out. Um, the other half was floor show Janet. She had her corset and fishnets and her red boa. And um, she had makeup on half of her face. So <laughs> I literally was just half and half. She was before and after Janet. Yeah. So listeners, if you can't picture this, think of like Two-Face from Batman, like straight, <laughs> straight down the middle on one side is perfect little virginal, uh, I haven't been touched uh, Janet versus now I have known the taste of flesh <laughs> and is completely decadent and feeling herself. So, ah, that was amazing. Um now, when we talked with the other group, um, they all had like really interesting, introspective perspectives on why they uh, why they wanted to do the show. Uh, you know, some people were trying to answer a question for themselves. Some people were there to be supportive of a group they they didn't necessarily belong to, I guess, but or you know, just wanted to be an ally. So Liberty, if you recall, we had that conversation at the very beginning with everybody in the room and, and my God, at the end of it, everybody left just going, I like these people. Uh, <laughs> so what was your reason at the beginning? What, what made you want to do this? Um, I think ultimately I just love that movie so much. It's in my top three, if not my favorite movie. So oh, to be involved is so much fun. Um, I also like, it's nice to just be involved in something that can show people that there are other ways of being and to mm -hmm. embrace the people here who know that they don't belong in, you know, the, the normie sort of. Yeah. Thing. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was kind of a footloose kind of feeling really it in was, a way, you know, because um, one thing we talked about with the group is just how you looked out at that crowd and you didn't see one kind of people, but they wow. all belong to the same group. Uh, you know, they just felt like this is a place that it's okay. Whatever it is, it's okay. And whatever I am, it's okay. We're so, all just here to be here. And there is that sort of spirit of embracing everyone. And I think I felt that on the first night, our first rehearsal, we got together and you know, there's always that awkward sort of, hi, this is my name, and everybody's a little bit reserved, but it didn't take long for everyone to realize we're all here because we're all weird, and <laughs> let's just be weird together. This is a group of, you know, funky people. This is, you know, the Motley crew. Yep, very much so, very much so. So I'll ask you, Liberty, being your first show you've done that, you know, I mean... 
one thing that I don't think anybody was expecting. Uh, well, I don't know about that. I mean, you know, you go to Rocky Horror Show, uh, everybody's expecting people to participate and be loud and be obnoxious and everything. But I don't think we are expecting that the the size of the reaction we got from the audience, you know? So what did that do for you as you came on stage in your first role, knowing by the end you're going to be in lingerie <laughs> and doing a burlesque striptease? <laughs> um, I was relieved. I, you know, didn't want to walk out and we just have this dead crowd staring at us with, you know, cold eyes and just you know, waiting for us to do something. I was really relieved that everybody had this sort of participatory attitude. They were there and you could tell the energy in the whole theater was just, you know, everybody was vibing like, oh, we found the weirdos and now they're on stage. <laughs> and not only that, they look hot. <laughs> they did it. They went all the way. Oh man. Oh man. Yeah. So if you had something you took away from this because one thing we really talked about uh, in the first half of the episode was there were some really unexpected and wonderful positive outcomes that mm -hmm. I don't know if I'd necessarily call them byproducts but you know I, I that's what a byproduct is it's like an unexpected outcome yeah. and um so what did you come away with this uh getting I came out with new friends. Um, yeah. You and I are kind of the oldies and Patrick as well yeah. with us, but um, there's definitely an age gap from the youngest <laughs> member on up to us. And so um, I wasn't necessarily expecting to make friends because sometimes that, that gap is hard to bridge, but um, I feel like I'm friends with every single person. There's just such a mutual respect and, it's just, you kind of long for that to bond with people that can see things in a, a larger, broader way. And right. so um, we had one game night and there'll be another soon to come. That's right. Together. <laughs> yeah. Patrick and I were in a show two weeks later and of that was course. a night when everybody was like, Hey, let's get together. And we're like, well, you could watch our show streaming. <laughs> we were busy. We were playing games. It was fun. We were too busy. I'm sorry. I'm no, sorry no, no shame. No shame. We were kind of just going, I would like to be in two places at once. Yeah. Well, we are going to do it again here shortly. Um, so yes, expect to see an invite show up somewhere. Once you've kind of bonded with people in such a unique way, it's easy to just get right back together and say, Hey, how have you been? I really did miss seeing you. Oh man. Yeah. After we finished recording that group interview, we all kind of went, you know, I think we're all just bad initiators. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's kind of like, kind of like when you get together with family after a long time, like really close family. And you know, you maybe only see each other like once or twice a year and you have a wonderful time. And then afterwards you're like, let's keep in touch. And you don't. <laughs> cousins you know you can go years without hearing from a cousin and I just got a call the other night from a long lost cousin much the same feeling we have something that we can you know go back on we have this common background and you just go from there there's no hard feelings about oh you know 
why didn't you call me? I like, I just saw Kale right. today and I love these chance meetings where you just see them around town and it's just, yep. it's really special to have this group of people that you get to run into and it's exciting. Okay, so here now I have uh, our costumer for this year's Rocky Horror Picture Show, or at least for the 2021 one. Uh, this is Emily Kidney. Hello, Emily. Hi. Hey. Aaron. <laughs> yeah, good to see you again. Um, so this, we were just talking a little bit. You did this a few times before. This is your third one, right? And Yeah. And you've done costuming for me before, and you did an amazing job. And so I was really excited to get to know that you were back in the area because you went away to school for a little while, but you were back. And then, and this opportunity arose and we're just like, uh, yes, absolutely. Let's do this. Um, and we were meeting from the very first talking about little ideas here and there. Um, I think it was in one of our first meetings where we were really comfortable with like some not expected gender crossing lines like you know mm -hmm. our frank was a woman our rocky was a woman thinking of that like what were some of the initial things you were thinking as a costumer because you came out uh, you came out the gate with just so many cool ideas yeah um i mean i think frank as far as his character goes like it just kind of lends itself to that kind of a situation i think mm -hmm. um with rocky we did have to figure out something with Rocky um, because, you know, in the movie, it's like the alpha male is kind of what he's shown as. And so it's like, how do you do that? But for a female and right. kind of get like that same um, point across that same message across. And so like, we even talked about doing something like Hooters and like going. Oh my in God. That I forgot direction. about that. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, as soon as you said that, I was like, yes, absolutely. And I want some hot wings right now. That's exactly <laughs> what I was thinking. <laughs> yeah. And like, I think that would have been really cool, like a really cool direction to take it. Um, but we just, it, it just went a different direction. And so we still kind mm -hmm. of kept that gold concept. But yeah, like, I yeah. found that a really great, like, gold holographic skirt. And then we got like a tiny, top on her and she that actress like um Allie really played that well I oh, think man. she played yeah. with the costume really well mm -hmm. yeah mm -hmm. and as we were talking in the episode with the group uh one thing that she got out of the whole experience was she feels herself personally as the as a person like fairly constantly sexualized just because she's slender she's blonde and and people will automatically assume things about her and so it was for her and i could see it like you were saying like when she got in that costume she was really playing it and i'm like yeah yeah i mean standing in rehearsal in her t-shirt and jeans you know we were like okay try to be sexy and there were some times when she would like okay i can kind of be a little loose here but getting into that little halter top and <laughs> skirt. Yeah. My God, like legs were kicking. And uh, I mean, just, you know, whatever she could do, she found it. Mm -hmm. And and what she thought was really great about that was like, she was able to claim that sexuality for her own. Like nobody could decide what that was for her. 
like she could go into a situation with more confidence so that way so yeah yeah I mean I was like really just surprised with her in general because I mean even when you get to the floor show and like you just said like we didn't know um like that she was going to come out and what she came out in but <laughs> she felt <laughs> she felt confident and she was really rocking it and oh, I yeah. thought that was really it was really cool to see that side of mm-hmm. her and see that confidence from her yeah yeah and and that was something we addressed and and we've addressed in several of these episodes or these interviews that people just found that confidence like they they knew they were going to have to get there at some point they faced that demon they found it within themselves to be comfortable with everybody around them there's a lot of talk about what's comfortable uh, are, are we awkward i'm feeling awkward are you awkward too great we're both awkward in this together fantastic but they came out of it hearing a crowd that was actively supporting them it was almost like nobody expected them to be completely supportive. And then when they found out they were absolutely supportive, it was like that last layer of the onion came off. <laughs> you know? And I, that was a charged crowd. Like I was up front, you were in the oh, middle yeah. of it. Oh yeah, it was a great crowd. I didn't expect that, you know, yeah. coming out of little old Sheridan. I was, oh, it made me so happy. There have just been a lot of, uh, of talk, like, um, just how I mean I've I've already talked about it. We had uh, uh, somebody who had never been to the show before. She was sitting right behind me, and now she's actively seeking me out. She wants to do it. We had an usher who volunteered for the show that night. Okay. Doing the, yep. That usher I met um, over Christmas. I met her and we talked about the show too. Yep. Yep. And I've run into her a couple times. She is down to be in it. Mm-hmm. So Emily, going back to it, you've been in this a few times before, just kind of involved, but this time it seemed like was different for everybody else. So what, what made you want to get into this production specifically? I think um, the majority of my reason was that it was kind of the first production that I could be a part of in two years um you know I came back home and I kind of am just chilling you know at my parents house and it was just something to get me out and that I could meet new people in in a place where I already knew some of them and so it was like I knew it'd be very comfortable for me yeah to kind of express like that that side of myself that I hadn't been able to I don't think I mentioned it anywhere I kind of hinted at it a couple times but you know, we said, we've mentioned it. We had this incredibly enthusiastic, energetic crowd. We had a group of people who all came together at a time when they had something personally going on that maybe this was going to help them kind of get out of a funk. And frankly, we were 18 months into a pandemic at that point, but it was just like this collective sigh of relief that we could all get together and feel comfortable in a space together and do some naughty sexy shit (laughs) (laughs) and and i mean just everybody there like they went this is exactly the medicine i needed and even myself like i didn't even realize it like we i the show was over i'm like wow that was a that was a really fun show and i'm out in the out in the auditorium like picking stuff up that people have thrown because that was kind of the deal and everybody else is on stage like in almost a prayer circle 
<laughs> just going, I, I, you meant so much to me and I'm going to miss you. And, you know, for me, there's a, there's a point like where I go, yeah, this is a show and we're going to go do another one at some point. And this might not be the same group. And I didn't realize what gold we had struck. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So what was yeah. that like for you? I mean, they involved you a lot. So what was that like for you? It was really great because, you know, in the productions I have done in the past, um, I think I've, I've only done costuming like once, like where mm -hmm. I was just the costumer. And so I, I'm you more used to being part of the cast. And right. so that one time that I did do just costuming, it was exactly as you said, like I didn't quite feel um, as with, you know, everyone else. Um, but this one with Rocky Horror, I don't know. I went that first day and then Liberty was there. And like, mm. we did Spanish class together in college. And so seeing her was so cool because I didn't have her phone number. And so, you know, there's no communication. And so I think that really helped me um, be more open with everybody else. Mm -hmm. And, you know, in turn that they helped me and like, the whole process was very collaborative. You know, I didn't have oh, yeah. like a very big, yeah. I didn't enforce anything in the costuming. And so a lot of it was, you know, me talking with Liberty so that she could get stuff while she was in Billings or uh, right. me talking with Tasina to see what she had. Mm -hmm. And it was just, it was really fun that everyone was very open and very kind. Right. Um, right. And, yeah. and from my point where I'm the director and, kind of the producer of it uh it was really nice to have a lot of donations <laughs> yeah because <laughs> everybody was really bought, nice yeah like everybody bought their stuff and it's like well this fits only you but it would be nice to have a box of like i don't know uh corsets and gloves and pumps and everything and everybody's mm -hmm. like oh i'll just leave mine and you can just take it i'm like well i, I mean they're your things are you sure they're like absolutely <laughs> yeah that took me by surprise because it really was like right after performance and i'm like mm -hmm. guys don't forget to take your things and they're like no i'm leaving it oh yeah. okay well <laughs> fine by me and now i have right now starting just a big bin and you can you can see it over my shoulder i have the saxophone that eddie played and now it's just going to go and be in every performance now i have just a spare saxophone <laughs> I mean, it can come in handy. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. And here I have Kale Parker, who at our, for our 2021 Rocky Horror Picture Show was our Brad Majors. Hello, Kale. Hello. How's it going today? Oh, gosh. So great to see your face. So great to hear your voice. Awesome to see you. Absolutely. I've known you for quite a while. And if you don't mind my saying so, frankly, on both sides of the fence. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, but um, since I've known you, Kale, you have discovered you are a trans man. Yes. And that's amazing. And way to go on that discovery, because there are so many people out there who don't realize it and and they just live unhappily. So awesome for you. You're in a great relationship right now. And, and I, everything is going great for you right now. I, yeah, I don't have things, to, are, it, things are I'm, going very well. Yeah. 
So getting into that, though, uh, when we did Rocky Horror Picture Show, I reached out to a lot of people. I said, OK, I'm doing this show. I'm kind of interested in seeing if you're interested. You are one of the first people who wrote me back and <laughs> went, absolutely, I want to do yes. this. Um, and that that was interesting for me because I know that this that your transition, well, I mean, frankly, you've been very open about it the whole time. Yeah. Yep. On social media, you've been saying like, here, here's what I'm doing today to help me move along with this transition and everything. So what was it about this show that attracted you to the idea of, okay, I'm going to further myself into being a man today? Right. Well, you, you think about the impact that Rocky Horror has had for so many people. That was the first introduction to any sort of gender nonconformity. Right. In a big way, in a way that, you know, some people experienced attractions they never had before. Some people saw uh, the idea of it, it was not named as such, but the idea of Frank being a pansexual. Right. In, in addition to obvious gender bending, um, a question of, you know, the true gender identity of Frank. I mean, it could be a could be a fun <laughs> topic of speculation. Right. <laughs> but a, as a whole, I mean, it is it, it's a very big part, not only of dramatic history, but um, but it's also something that has inspired and brought about conversations and ideas for people over decades. It was it, it was something I was drawn to as, you know, being a quirky and different and off the beaten path individual that I am, <laughs> not just when it comes to being trans, right. uh, but everything about it really is appealing in, in one form or another. In particular, it allows this freedom of expression, which that was something that I had started to come into as a conversation with myself. But this really helped solidify this feeling of free expression for me. Excellent. Nice. Okay. So I got to ask you this, because when I got the interested parties, I had enough people to fill out the cast, but I selected you to be Brad Majors. Yes. <laughs> and I think there was zero hesitation from you in that. Oh, yeah. However, knowing that you had to be the stereotypical hetero cis male who eventually gets on stage and does a burlesque striptease by the end. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So well, tell me about your thoughts when you found out you're going to be Brad Majors. <laughs> So yeah, absolutely. Um, I really there's not a, there's not a part I think I could have stepped into as easily. Not to say that there weren't unique challenges and things that I worked on to hone my character. I mean, my initial reaction was delight, <laughs> just just because I knew I would have so much fun with this character that does make a major flip from almost you know. He, he is a geeky, nerdy sort of guy trying to be this masculine, protective figure. Right. As as would be expected from that gender role when the play is set in the 50s or so. Yeah. Right. Okay. 
exactly so so he is you know in in this in this era that is the sort of thing that he was trying to portray which has never really been me as far as far as you know <laughs> one of my favorite little sayings is why have gender roles when we can have pizza rolls <laughs> I love it. So I'm I'm a big fan of you know the the differences in things that we can we can bend between genders as well as a person finding their own comfort zone whether it's hyper masculine hyper feminine somewhere in between or not on that spectrum at all. Mm-hmm. So certainly there's a lot of exploration in the character of Brad alone, just to see him become this from almost prudish, very nervous about kind of his interactions with Janet, but also excited um, to this (laughs) hyper-sexualized version, uh, throwing it all out there on stage. A lot of us have talked in uh, in previous sessions and interviews here, a lot of us have talked about one of those first rehearsals. We all sat down and we talked about why we did this show. Yes. And everybody was kind of on a personal exploration thing or had something going on. I don't know if that was the case for you because you flat out came out and said, I'm a trans man and I want to play a masculine role. That's where it was yeah. for you. Mm-hmm. And, and, and that was it. So we went, okay, that makes absolute sense to me. And for the audience, you know, we didn't put anything in the playbill about it or anything like that, but right. we had people, we had people who knew, but then there were people who'd never seen you before and they wouldn't have had any question. Like, All right. That's a dude who got up there and shook his ass. Yeah. <laughs> and, and that's what we saw. Yeah. You know, because I am trans, you know, uh, it, it was basically my first role in a play where I felt that I, was in an affirming role when right. it when it came to that. Uh, I really hadn't haven't been involved in theater for a while, um, more as a right. patron and uh, enthusiast than as an actor. So it was it, it was also very affirming in that way. Right. Now, an, another thing that I would like to bring up is we've referenced it several times with the intimacy training. Our, our, our castmate Cameron uh, in the group interview <laughs> was so funny. He was like, Ev- I'm sure everybody got tired of my consistent check-ins. Every break, it's like, okay, let's stop for a second. He would go to everybody and like, okay, I might have touched you here. Is that okay? Did you do okay? But I, I'll never forget it. I think it was one night we were doing the time warp. And, you know, his his character is supposed to be fairly creepy and invasive into, you know, personal space and stuff like that. And <laughs> I think just middle of rehearsal one day, he goes, OK, um, how's your ass? And you're like, what? <laughs> and he goes, no, no, no. Is that OK if I like touch your butt, like like just a pat on the butt or something like that? <laughs> And you're like, oh, okay. <laughs> it was fun. And it ended there. up being great, you know. Yeah. <laughs> it was, I mean, it was an easy thing to react to, of course. Right, you know? right, right. And, and perfect for his character because, you know, I mean, that's another, like, 
a stereotypical masculine thing that you're like, wait a minute. Uh, I thought we weren't supposed to sexualize this, but you know, after a good play in a football game, you see all the players smacking each other on the rear end and everything. Yeah. So yeah, <laughs> it's like, then it was like, he was going to another dude and being like, good game. Right. <laughs> but like I said, I was going to come back to this. Um, Cameron's constant check-ins, he said, were helping him deal with uh, his autism because mm-hmm. he was just checking with, you know, I'm not sure what social cues are correct or incorrect. I feel comfortable around this group of people. Now, I'm bringing this up because, um, you know, a lot of us on the, uh, uh, through other interviews have said, uh, I struggle with mental health. Mental health is a serious issue for me. And you would come in sometimes and go, you know what, I'm having a bad mental health day. And this was another thing about the intimacy training that's perfect because you can come in and let all of your stage partners know, I've got something going on today. It's not you, it's me. We could probably work on this together. If something's feeling off, that might be where we are. Yes. And um, I, I just loved this, um, how you had one of those days and came in and go, I'm not feeling today. And everybody goes, oh, what's wrong? And somebody goes, do you need a hug? And you actually like, it it took you a second to register like the, okay, so here's the symptoms. Let's see if this would remedy that. You go, yeah, I think a hug would work. (laughs) And you had like like three people come and just glom onto you. And and, that was a lovely moment. Yeah. So, I mean, how is that? from that standpoint i mean you know this uh, we do i'll say it like the performing arts do attract a lot of people who do suffer mentally and emotionally Mm because they they feel i'll say in some cases bigger or more intensely than a lot of people so from your standpoint doing this show how did that help you in that regard oh it was it, it was really great you know having that perspective and having you know having people being like okay you know we are putting on a performance we're seeking this end goal of putting on a great show um in that regard though heading toward that end we are not going to neglect anyone's needs whether mental or physical um as far as what they need from us to feel comfortable uh So really taking the priority to make sure that the people who are putting this thing together and working toward this end goal are taken care of. I think Mm. that's a big part of why the end result was so beautiful and magnificent for all of us. Oh, wow. Okay. Okay. I think, I think that allowed us to have a more open and closer form of communication in all in all regards uh mm-hmm. it felt it felt much more natural than to um i believe cameron referenced this uh in the in the uh part one uh about we had a really good conversation um and mm-hmm. it really it it started with a, with him asking you know how was tonight how you feeling and how was everything i did and all these things uh that's really where it kind of started that conversation um, Mm -hmm. kind of about where we talked about, you know, what it means to be a man and, 
the masculinity and femininity of each individual. And it was, you know, that was up there in one of, uh, one of the most memorable conversations I've ever had. Right. Wow. Oh, wow. That's awesome. I mean, and, and I like how, how you put that, like the inherent uh, masculinity and femininity within each person, because mm-hmm. I, I, you know, it's so unfortunate that Western thinking has uh, led us all to believe that things are so damn black and white that, mm-hmm. like, you know, you're either gay or you're straight or you're a man or you're a woman. It's like, you know, I kind of enjoy the Eastern philosophy of the yin and yang, where it's like yes. both are there in in balanced composition, you know? <laughs> like, well, you, I mean, even just look at, you know, our hormonal makeup even is, you know, right. we are not. We are not strictly estrogen or testosterone beings. Right, right. Okay, I am here with Tasina Smiley, who was our Frankenfurter this year, which a lot of people, like, they look at that and they go, wait a minute. No, I'll be honest with you, Tasina. About five years ago, when somebody did this, uh, they had a woman as Frankenfurter, and I had several people going like, oh, you can't do that. <laughs> and I went, uh, why? And they're like, well, because because it's more shocking when it's a man coming out there with with, you know, pearls and pumps and lingerie and everything. But I also go, yeah, but we're not in that world right now. Right. You know, I had a friend who years ago she told me that she told everybody she was by because people around here could understand that. And then she goes, but with you, I'm comfortable telling you that I'm pan. Do you understand what that means? And I went, yeah, you enjoy sexual pleasure, regardless of gender identity, regardless of sexual identity. That's what you enjoy. That's it. That's the end of the story. So I went, what's the problem with Frank being a woman? in this and creating a woman to be the being of sexual pleasure made no sense to me anyway. (laughs) Well, I I think this is a really cool point um, that I've made to a lot of my friends who've had the same confused standpoint is that things have progressed specifically within the queer community where, you know, growing for me growing up in the queer community, I I mean, I, I was very comfortable with my bisexuality at a pretty young age, but I was always kind of, you know, stuck in that little corner between like, you're not straight enough. You're not gay enough. You don't really belong anywhere. You know, mm-hmm. I really, I've watched, I mean, I know it still goes on to this day, but I've watched that kind of mindset evaporate significantly as of late. So it feels like approaching this subject from this perspective is just showing how much more inclusive our queer community has become. I don't have to be a gay man with a penis. I don't have to, you know, <laughs> exactly exactly and actually one of my prior interviews we talked about just the timing of this production we had one night we had one night total and people came out in droves they came out dressed up they came out probably of a a lot of different closets that they might have been hiding in or felt forced into and for some reason like you know we were 18 months into a pandemic at that point 
And I think people were just ready to feel comfortable being who they were at that moment. And I don't think any of us were prepared for that. <laughs> that was one of the scariest moments of my life when I had the intro and then everyone started screaming. None of us had any idea how many people were in the house at that point, let alone how many excited, avid fans were in the house. Oh my God. Oh my God. And, and just after that, it was just so remarkable to me to see how many people just, they weren't sitting there getting ready to judge the show going like, well, you know, I've seen Rocky Horror before and this better, uh, you know, stand up. No, they were just ready to have fun. And the timing of that in like a, a, a huge frame was huge for a lot of people. But I wanted to talk to you specifically about this because a lot of our, our, our cast members have been very complimentary of what you did and how you helped <laughs> them then go on and, and, and do well in their, their positions on, in the cast. But we've talked a lot with other people about what inspired us to do this show, what we got out of it. And if you don't mind my saying so, Tasina, you had a hell of a 2020 and 21. <laughs> Oh my God. Um, so yeah, if you don't mind, uh, I, I'd just like to hear a little bit about your personal journey through that uh, as much as you'd like to tell. Yeah. I mean, I, I think it kind of dates back a little bit further, but you know, before all of the, the things that kind of fell apart in my life during that time back to, you know, as we, we said in the, in that wonderful rehearsal where we sat together and were able to, you know, shockingly, provide way more intimate reasons for our participation in the show that was beautiful and very cathartic for me. Anyway, I grew up very theatrical from the from the get-go and, and my mother was my absolute biggest supporter. Just deep support, nonstop, you know, whatever, whatever endeavor I wanted to participate in, she was there for it. And it was just her and my little brother and I, we were very poor. She couldn't afford to put me through, you know, a lot of theater camps or acting lessons, but she scraped together whatever penny she could to allow me to participate in any, any means of acting that I possibly could get my hands on. So, you know, let's fast forward several years. I have three babies and gain weight and, you know, I don't feel like myself anymore. I had been absent from the theater for close to a decade, decade. And then at the beginning of 2020, um, she, she and my little brother were um, both murdered. And that was, you know, obviously as hellish as you can imagine. Right, right. It was time, you know, for me to, to even be a human again. But as I, I mean, it was probably close to a year after their passing before I started finding myself again and being, you know, becoming slightly more functional. The, then, then you sent me a message asking if I would be interested in this. And it just immediately like set aflame this idea in my mind, I guess, that I don't know. I don't care if you believe in heaven or hell or a lack thereof. I feel like she's somewhere here. So kind of keeping an eye on me. And oh, absolutely. I, and I, I felt like she that would be something that she deserved to see me do and that I deserved to get to do for her. So I agreed to do this. It was terrifying because I hadn't been on stage, but <laughs> it was, you know, this was this was the for some reason in my heart it was my like the greatest way for me to make an ode to her and my brother's lives. And, um, you know, I get, I get to keep breathing. I get to be alive. And 
not going, you know, at that point, I, I decided I wasn't going to continue just wasting the life that I have ahead of me just because I'm afraid to do things. Oh, man. That's awesome. And, 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 you know, correct me if I'm wrong, like right in the middle of that, you might've like started to kind of come out of like the whole horrible fog and weight of that. And then your husband, one of your biggest supporters suffers a horrific work accident. Yeah. 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 He, I mean, that was, that was unimaginable. He was in a coma two months after, after they passed away. Oh, it just, yeah. Yeah. It was almost to the day they passed away on March 29th of 2020 and he fell on um, May 20th of 2020. Oh my God. Yeah. It just, the ground was ripped completely out from underneath both of us. Truly. I mean, my husband was extraordinarily close with my mom and brother and, you know, had to watch his wife go through this horror and watch his son because the girls were still really, really young, but Rowan was not, you know, he, he was very aware of what happened. Right. um, you know, so he, he was horrifically traumatized by that and then went oh. through, you know, and then I had to watch him literally die and come back to life. And, you know, so it, it's, it's obvious, it's, it's inevitable that those, you know, several months to a year after these two terrible events, I felt like I was laying in like a big bowl of mashed potatoes. <laughs> <laughs> you can't really move around. Everything's heavy. You're tired, you know my brain just wasn't, wasn't there. There was a zero creativity. That was the longest in my life that I've gone without making music or painting. And I, I didn't touch a single thing. I couldn't, there wasn't any, any way for me to. And, and right. I've never in my life not had some form or another of a creative outlet. So, I mean, I think that, that was squishing my soul and my, my grieving process as well, more than I realized until I woke that part of me back up again. Right. Right. Now I'm going to go ahead and turn this around just a little bit because I think one of the favorite text messages I've ever received came from you. And if, if it doesn't fully illustrate one, how supportive your family is of you or two, the fact that your husband came out of his coma and is fully functional again and everything. I want to say, I'm I'm going to be paraphrasing here. I could look it up, but I I just love to paraphrase this. you were late a little bit to your opening night call Mm -hmm. because the text said something like, hold on. My husband is sewing my butt on right now. (laughs) (laughs) Literally sewing it onto my body. (laughs) Because, okay, look, I mean, look, yes. Those of us who have had children, we know that the body goes through changes. Uh (laughs) Well, I got a real shit end of the deal as well, because you know, massive child, you weight gain, whatever. And then I had surgery and rapidly lost 60 pounds. So that, 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 that does a number to one's booty. <laughs> but on top of that, of I, I just adore my indigenous family, but instead of getting my, the other side of my family's ass, which they all, you know, they've, they've got the Latina, nice, big round booty. I got the Northern Cheyenne side of the family's ass. So there is, there's a whole lot of nothing there. And I'm trying really hard to be kinder to my body as of late, but that's just a fact that there's, there's no getting around it. And there's no way to get on the stage in a corset for the first time since having children with zero butete. So my wonderful <laughs> Taylor husband sewed me a butt. <laughs> yep, yep. And, and man, you work that thing. Uh, but God, 
I, I mean, there were a couple texts I got uh, over the course of this thing that just went like, in any other context, this would be incredibly strange. Uh, <laughs> that was one of them. Another one was from was from Kale, who was our Brad, and uh, I think it was a text about <laughs> the size and color of underwear he could wear. <laughs> Because he got on stage during dress rehearsal or he tried on his clothes and he went, you know, these underpants are a little more transparent than I was expecting. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> so, oh. you know, I had that and then I had, I'm being sewn into my butt right now. That was amazing. <laughs> <laughs> well, Tasina, I hope, I mean, at the end of this, uh, like, you know, we all got out there on stage. I have it on TikTok right now. The the Frank reveal, like when <laughs> when the cloak flew off and the whole house went bananas. But they were doing that beforehand. Like they went through the time warp. Everybody was feeling it. But then you came out and that was it. Like it was just like, okay, we've solidified <laughs> this. We're half an hour into this now. And this is where we are. Oh my God. Like the energy that was there, you know, if you don't mind my saying so, uh, if if you're one to believe that your mother was there, I agree with you uh, 100%, like on yeah. the shoulder of everybody there going, that's my girl. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, she was not a, 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 I don't know, typical mom, I guess we were, we were best friends. So she's, you know, as we discussed with a lot of our other castmates, the discomfort with the, you know, their parents potentially being there seeing them, you know, act wild and, and provocative, that would not have been an issue. I mean, maybe if I was 17, but at 30 years old, that would not have been an issue with my mom. She would have been the one, like hooting, like, look at her ass. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. So I'll ask you this. I mean, it's been a few months since we put that show on. I mean, you did this as kind of like a step towards healing it was part of your grieving process to come out how are you feeling now Ugh. I wish I could put that into condense it and you know not drag that out for the next 45 minutes because there's so much there to say that that experience was so incredibly empowering for me it I, I had started teaching myself to be kinder to my body and you know just see myself through someone else's eyes and not through severe body dysmorphia and going through that show was the, you know, the, the catalyst for me. It, with that, I, I came out of that still seeing things in my body that I didn't love, I guess, but feeling so powerful, incredibly powerful. Walking down the street in front of strangers didn't feel so intimidating anymore. Wearing wild, obscure outfits that, you know, draw gazes from angry old white men didn't feel so uncomfortable more you know like that, that in itself is incredible and that also did help benefit my mental health as a whole but furthermore in you know into the grieving process I have gone from having at least you know two weeks out of the month maybe separated out where I can't function I can't I can't stop crying I can't get out of bed whatever has have now gone to you know I think I've maybe had one or two weeks since the show in October total, huh. not, not condensed, but days spread out through that, that time. And I, I, I mean, I didn't, it, I, nothing else has, has really changed. You know, I'm not on any new antidepressants. I haven't, <laughs> like this, this was the thing that helped me see myself through her eyes. 
Oh, wonderful. That was extraordinarily important for, for my head and my heart. Wonderful. Wonderful. Hmm. I'm, I'm glad to hear that. I'm very glad to hear that. And all you angry white men out there, just deal with it. <laughs> deal and... with it. I'm going to wear my crop tops. <laughs> Well, there you have it, my friends and listeners, Rocky Horror Picture Show 2021. Wow, what an experience. Uh, None of us saw it coming. We knew we were going to have fun. We didn't know what kind of fun we were going to have, and we didn't know what enriching things were going to happen to us thereafter. Thanks for sticking around for this one. I know it was kind of a long one, but we had a lot to share, so man, do I appreciate you sticking around. I don't know that I have a whole lot more to say about it. Uh, I'm just looking forward to bringing back the joy in the world again. And what I can do is I can do that through theater. So I'm going to keep doing that. I'm going to keep doing it here. I'll be back in another couple weeks with another story and I will see you at intermission.